it is a great day today, and I'm excited about the word that Holy Spirit has put in my heart for this time. A lot has happened this week. Six of us are aware. A lot has gone on this week, and I'm very, very, uh, I have some things to say about what has happened this week. And, you know, I have a, I have a responsibility. Um, I asked the question recently. Let me say this first. Let's see, which one do I want to say first? Let me say this first. I have a responsibility as a minister of the gospel to preach the, to preach the gospel. I don't get to choose which gospel I preach because there's only one gospel. Nor do I get to choose who it impacts and who it doesn't. I don't get to choose who accepts it and who rejects it. I don't get to choose those things. I simply get to speak it. I hope that in the declaring of that gospel that I say it in such a way that it's full of grace. I hope, I hope that I present that in such a way that within the voice of Steve Parker, somehow you hear the voice of God. That it isn't just the tone of my voice, it isn't just the words in my voice, but that somehow in you, you hear the Father speaking in the middle of what you hear with your natural ear. But I have a responsibility to be faithful over that. And, and I can tell you, I asked a question recently, and I said, is it more, what's more arrogant? Because often, especially as preachers, especially a preacher that isn't afraid of telling the truth, um, often when someone will stand up and they will speak the truth, someone might say, well, that's just arrogance, or that's just pride, or that's just whatever. And usually that response will come because the preacher or whomever it might, it might have been said something that is disagreeable in the mind and heart of the person who made the comment. So I asked the question recently and I said, is it more arrogant to deny man what he wants or is it more arrogant to deny God what he wants? Which is more arrogant? Which is more prideful to say to man... I'm not going to give you what you're asking for or to say to God, I'm not going to give you what you are telling me to do. I'm not going to honor what you called me to. At the end of the day, if I'm going to be blamed for arrogance, I would rather be blamed for arrogance on the part of man. I would rather a thousand men stand up and scream at me and say, you are the most arrogant, egotistical, pride-filled person I've ever met in my life than to have God say even on one occasion the same. So there are things that are in us that propel us, that move us um, to come to a place where we begin to reconcile the things. A word uh, Alex Darnell uh, was sharing this morning, something <clears throat> that Holy, or who was it that said that this morning about reconciliation? Kaylee Hoffman. Kaylee said this morning, and before we came out and we were praying, she said that she kept hearing reconciliation. And I can tell you that at the end of the day, it is up to every single person to end up reconciling those things that the Father's speaking to them. I have a responsibility, though, to tell the truth. I have some things to say about the decision that was made this week. For some of you, for some of us, for some, I've already made up my mind, but for some that haven't, some that are uncertain, you might disagree with what I'm going to say. But I want to say some things regarding the Roe versus Wade and the overturning of it today that I think is going to catch let me, let's see, what's the best way to put it? I believe will help you understand why some people are where some people are. And why we need to be careful that we don't quickly say to people who don't think like we do that somehow um, they're deserving of the title of foolishness or stupidity or ignorance or whatever. But for the grace of God... We're all foolish. We're all ignorant. But for the grace of God, none of us make even one choice that's a good choice. So I want to talk today about what I said just a moment ago. I'm going to jump right in and, if I, and I titled this. In fact, I'm going to begin a series today on this called To Be His. Everybody say, To Be His. So I want to move forward with what, I, what Holy Spirit has put in me. Uh, so this week, if you don't know, Roe versus Wade, that was overturned. How many knew that? 
How many did not know that? Did anybody not know that? It was overturned this week. I would think everyone, there was a huge rally uh, in Orlando yesterday or protest, whatever you want to call it. And um, because there are people on both sides, there's both sides to this coin. And this is an interesting thing. It would be really easy if all Christians believed the same thing about abortions. But even Christians don't agree. In fact, let me say this about abortion. Let me say this about homosexuality. Let me say this about some of the things that are hot topics within the church world today. The conflict isn't in the unbeliever. There is no conflict in the unbeliever. They don't have any crisis of conscience when they go to bed at night. Because it isn't about whether or not this is honoring God or not honoring God. It is, it, to them, it is practical. To them, to those who do not know God, those who do not know Christ, it is, it, what's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong. So I ask this because within the church world, that's where the crisis exists. I mean, even in this room right now, even among us, even those watching, even those who might have, please don't turn out. Don't turn it off. (laughs) Listen to what I have to say today. How many under the sound of my voice today? How many of you have, even with the decision this week, have uh, floundered in how you feel about this? I've ministered to women over the years, 33 years in ministry, and over those years I've ministered to women who have beat themselves up because they've had an abortion and they got saved and they, they beat themselves up because they did it and now they wish they hadn't. They, they carry uh, tremendous guilt and what have you. And I've always said the same to them and believed the same about anyone. If you ask God to forgive, He will forgive and you don't need to carry that. Nevertheless, in the middle of Christianity, that's where the crisis is. That's where the crisis of conscience is, is within the church. It's within the church. You've got people down there at that Orlando rally yesterday, or that Orlando protest yesterday. Many of them were unbelievers. Many of them were people who could care less what God thinks. But many of them were people who do care what God thinks. And yet in the middle of it, they're mad about the decision that was made this week. I would ask without a show of hands, without a nod of the head, don't blink your eye, scratch your nose, or twinkle twinkle your ear. Don't do any of that. But I would wonder, I wonder... How many in this room or under the sound of my voice right now, it perturbed you a little bit. You feel violated. You feel like, well, what about the rights of women? I'm a believer and I believe God, but what about my rights? I want to address some of this today. and Let's find out what the Bible says. Not about abortion. And this is where we got to get clear here. We're going to find out what the scriptures say, not about abortion and not about homosexuality, but about knowing God. And here's why there's such an argument within the church about abortion and homosexuality and whatever else you want. Those are two of the hot topics today. But here's why there's so many arguments within the church about these things. And I'm going to tell you why, because we make it, the church makes it about these things. Somehow we, we prop these things up and we shine them up. We dust them off. We make sure that they're glowing. We set them up on a shelf and we say, this is what we're going to argue about for the next four decades. This is what we're going to draw our lines on. So we're going to have a new church that allows homosexual pastors. Or we're going to have a a new church and and create a new denomination that believes in abortion. And and we begin to divide and we begin to draw all these lines. The church world and all the while the Father has an answer for all of it. And and I'm going to just give it to you in a nutshell and we're going to dive into it a little bit deeper. But he's just saying this. He's saying you're making it about all the wrong things. Can I tell you this? Oh, man, please don't hate me for this. Just, just again, I'm just going to say what I'm hearing. God cares less about abortion and homosexuality than you do. I promise you, he didn't lose a wink of sleep last night. He's not interested in which side standing on which side. He cares less about abortion. You know what he cares about? Relationship. 
Arguments are never brought a good answer to any evil cause. But what does? You have relationship with the one that is at the root of all things good? And his nature begins to consume ours? Begins to supplant the nature of Adam in us? That nature of, that's an apple, I'm going to eat it. And supplant that with, that's an apple and I shouldn't partake of it. When the nature of God begins to supplant the nature of man, begins to subdue those things that are in us that we would find an argument about at the end of the day, if we are in pursuit of the things of God, he says, I, I'm, I'm just going to tell you something, church. And I'm just going to tell you what I believe God is saying. He said, would you all just stop with the abortion and the homosexuality thing? It's very quiet in here. <laughs> just walk with me. Would you all just stop with that? If you're watching online today, would you just stop with the, with the arguing and sitting at your, your, your coffee house table talking to whomever you're meeting with this week to try to decide? You're trying to convince them. They're trying to convince you. All your little buddies that are this, that, this way, that way, or the other way, whatever it might be, everybody that has a different idea, if we can get through all of that and we can just say, you know what, I'm going to have a relationship with God and He'll take care of the rest. The problem is a lot of people are trying to argue arguments and they have not yet qualified themselves before God. They've not demonstrated yet that they have passed the bar. Let's read it this morning. You ready? Let's understand, first of all, what it is to be joined to Christ. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 21. Let's read this. I'm going to read it to you. Or not Matthew 21. I'm sorry. Romans chapter 10. In fact, I don't even know why I have Matthew 21 written there. Maybe we'll come back to that and find out why. (laughs) Romans chapter 10, beginning with verse 1, says, Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them, talking about Israel, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. This is Paul. He's talking to the Roman church, and he said, listen, y'all have a desire that they do this and that they do that. Remember the old argument when they were talking about who's circumcised, who's, who's not circumcised? Who's doing this thing and who's doing that thing? And Paul's putting everything down. He's just saying, listen, I'm telling you, it's not about who's doing what. It's not about who's having abortions, who's not. It's not about who's a homosexual or a queer or who's not. Brothers, my heart's desire and my prayer to the Father is this, that that they, that these people, that these that are tossed to and fro, that they might be saved. I want this. I just want people to get saved because outside of salvation, none of this will ever make sense and it will be an argument that never ends. People don't change because of a good argument. They change because of a changed heart. He said, for I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God. Man, they're passionate, no doubt about it. They have a zeal for God, but it's not according to knowledge. We're going to talk about this in a second. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they do not submit to God's righteousness. What does that mean? Let's read it again. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but it is not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own righteousness, they did not and do not submit to God's righteousness. In other words, what's he saying about this? Basically what he's saying is he's saying, listen, well, let me, I'm going to say it and then we're going to read a little bit about it in a second. He says what they're focused on is law. They're ignorant of God's righteousness because they're arguing about what we're supposed to be doing. How many doves do we wring the neck off of or head off of? How many heifers do we have to slaughter today? How many rams are we going to remove the entrails from and boil in oil? He said, to them, these are the things that mark the righteousness. But he said, these are not the things that mark righteousness. What marks righteousness is whether or not they know God to be saved. These things do not save one. They impede one's salvation. Let me take it a step further. Let me bring it into the now. Going to church on Sunday morning, reading 30 verses in your Bible every day, praying for an hour and a half every morning before you do anything else does not save anybody. In fact, if done 
in the wrong spirit, if the search is, if I'm believing that this is going to cause me to come into a deeper relationship with God, then what I'm doing is actually impeding a deeper relationship with God. Because if I'm doing those things and there's no, nothing, I'm not drawing a deeper relationship out of God through it. I'm moving my mouth, wasting my breath, and getting up earlier than I need to. (laughs) He said, for being ignorant of the righteousness of God. In other words, they were ignorant of the righteousness of God. They didn't really know what God wanted. Let's point that, let's, let's hang on that for just a second. Boy, what does that look like? Doesn't that look, look around you today? Hopefully not in this room, but maybe. But look around you today. Ignorant of the righteousness of God. Don't really, they don't really know, Paul said, what the Father wants. They think what He wants is all these laws. But what He really wants is relationship. Christians today think what He wants is for us to hold a picket sign. And to march outside of a courthouse or to to establish ourselves before the Supreme Court and to determine what the next decision is going to be and to try to throw our weight against it. That's being ignorant of the righteousness of God. Being aware of the righteousness of God is not that I'm doing these things that make me look like a good Christian. It is that I am in relationship with Him and I am a good believer. I am a son or I am a daughter. Let's read on. Love this. For Christ is the end. Everybody say Christ is the end. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Amen, you're dismissed. I mean, there's really nothing more to say. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. It would be, you know, it changes every week. It would be interesting to know today how many different denominations and, and Christian faiths there are in the world. I could start naming them now and we could be here for an hour if I could think of that many. But quickly what comes to mind is non-denominational, Pentecostal, Baptist, Catholic, Methodist, Nazarene, Seventh-day Adventist. You know, we, we put all those things in our mind and we get all these things and that's because each one of them has their own basis of righteousness. And the root of that basis of righteousness probably started well and good. It started, I'm in pursuit of the things of God. But in time, when that basis of righteousness gets in the way of relationship, those points of righteousness become invalid. He said, Christ is the end of the law. He is the end. Everybody say, He is the end. end. Who is the end? Mm Mm-hmm. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. In other words, you want to know Him? Talk to Him. Don't do the dance around the altar. Don't do your pittance. You want to know Him? You need to hear me this morning. You online, you need to hear me this morning. You want to know God? He's not deaf. He's not hiding in a corner. You might not see it when you look around the room. But in time, if we talk to Him, you'll start seeing Him because you'll see Him in me. And you'll see Him in someone beside you and beside me, beside us. Christ is the end. Let's move on. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments will always live by them. People doing that every day. Sometimes people, and again, I I don't want to beat this dead horse, but there are people today that they feel more like a believer because they're holding a picket sign. Man, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. (laughs) And if you look real closely, you'll see the, the stick on my sign at the bottom. I've cut it so it looks like a sword. 
And baby, I'll use it. This is my righteousness of God right here. And all the while, the father's thinking, is it really? Well, you know, that person that you're screaming at that you want to stab with that sword sharp end of that thing right there, they need me. Do you think they're going to get any closer to me as you drive that through their heart? For Moses writes about the righteous. Let me read this. We're not going to get through this. For Moses writes about. Stop, stop stopping me. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law that the person who does the commandment shall live by them. This is the very reason why weekly I usually try to share maybe three or four scriptures and then preach. Because this has like 30 scriptures. And this will take me like four weeks to get through. But I'm going to try to do it in the next 20. But the right, uh, where did I leave off? For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments will live by them. But the righteousness based on faith, righteousness based on faith says, quote, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the, the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and it is in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Why? Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with a heart one believes and is justified and with a mouth one confesses and is saved. I'm going to stop right there and I'm going to just say this real fast. I'm just going to insert this. He said eliminate the argument, folks. There's a comment I almost made just a moment ago, and I thought, well, if I make that, then they're going to misinterpret me, and then they're going to be mad at me, and then I'm going to get emails, and then I'm going to get phone calls, and then people are going to leave the church, and I'm going to make it anyway. It's really my heart is always, if people are leaving, I'd rather you leave happy than stay mad. But my heart is this, because, no, I'm not going to say it. Let's just do this. Who will ascend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth. It is in your heart. The word of faith that we proclaim. Why? Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Not if you believe in abortion or you don't. Not if you believe in homosexuality or you don't. Not if you like the way they do this or you don't. Not if you, none of that. He said, if, if you confess the Lord Jesus with your mouth, this is the thing I was going to say to you. Now, some of you right now are saying, so you're saying what? I'm saying you cast a net and let God deal with it. Need to hear me. Now you might say, are you for homosexuality? Are you for? No, I'm not. I'm not for abortion either. But I am for the voice of God. And I believe we are driving the stick of the picket sign into too many hearts. And we're not giving opportunity for those hearts to be changed. Now, you're not going to find me in the middle of a gay bar trying to win people to Christ. Watch the news tonight. My wife and I will be down in... And the pastor of the rock and his wife are found in wherever. Waving. Nor will you find us in the middle of a picket group trying to make decisions for how people believe. But I can tell you over the years, the Father has really changed my heart and really helped me understand what true grace is. I hate homosexuality and I hate abortion, but I do not hate the homosexual. And I do not hate the one who got an abortion. I hate the ingredient that is present, but I don't hate the cake. (laughs) You need to hear me today. The word is near you. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart. And that word is the word of faith that we proclaim. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This is what I believe. I'm going to tell you. This is an amazing thing. I hope I get to the next part I want to read. But I want you to hear me today. This is, this is what I believe. I believe that God saves us in awful conditions. I'm pretty sure I was not even yet sober the night I got saved. 
I'm pretty sure I still had a little bit of alcohol left in me from all those Bartles and James I drank on my way to the church. But do you know what? When the moment came, God never said to me when I was sitting in that room with that youth pastor, I didn't know any of these people. I didn't even know why I went to that church that day other than something. I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know what an Assembly of God church was. I'd never heard of it. I was oblivious to any of that stuff. And when I went into that back room, I never heard anything, never sensed in any way that God was saying to me, when you are completely sober, I'm going to redeem you. And then once I said, you know, God, forgive me. I didn't even really know what I was doing because I didn't understand what I had. I didn't know what all the wrong was. And I didn't know what was a part of my life that he would or would not be pleased with. But you know what the awesome thing is? I confessed with my mouth that he, that I was a man of sin, even if I couldn't define sin. And I believed in my heart that he died and rose from the dead. And that I was born again. And the moment I received Christ and I allowed Him to begin to change me, I went home and I didn't sit there and plot out, okay, now I'm a believer. I'm now the church tried to get me to do that. I didn't make a list and say, okay, I need to stop doing this, I need to stop doing that. Because I didn't know what I needed to stop doing. I didn't even know. I didn't know what does a good Christian look like. I don't know. What do they do? I don't have any idea. So I'm just going to do what I do and be who I am until he begins to change who I am. Now the church gave me a long list and said, we want you to sign this that you will no longer go to... You've heard me tell this story. You'll no longer go to movies. You'll no longer do this. You'll no longer do this. And I'm looking at that list. And it was long. And I'm thinking, are all of these bad? I do all of these. I mean, I was doing things that weren't even on the list, and it was making me nervous. But the thing that bothered me the most was they said, you will refrain from going to movies. I should have been a movie critic. I didn't miss one. And the movie just came out that weekend, Silverado. And I said to my cousin, I said, I ain't signing it. Because I'm going to see Silverado this weekend. <laughs> I never did sign that list. It's not because I was trying to be defiant or anything else. I just never really got around to it, I think. But it didn't change the fact that they received my tithe. They received my offering. <laughs> they called me when I wasn't there. Didn't matter. No one ever asked me, are you going to movies? In fact, I went with a pastor's son. It's true. But what didn't happen was when I went in there and I got saved, he didn't say, Steve, have you ever had an abortion? It would be odd to ask that of me anyway, but if, if it were possible. Steve, where do you stand sexually? How do you identify? He didn't say, where have you been? Where haven't you been? He said, confess with your mouth and believe that I am the Son of God. And I'm going to save you. And I'm going to begin a good work in you. And I'm going to begin to change you. And when people come to you and they say, mm, you got to stop doing that. Or you got to stop doing that. Or you got to stop doing that. He said, you just let me bring it to you when I'm ready to bring it to you. This is where the church is at fault. People come, to the king, come into the kingdom today, by tomorrow, we want them shiny. To be His doesn't mean I come to Him shiny. I come to Him, I came to Him, my hair was messed up. I wasn't sober. I didn't have my act together. I didn't understand anything about what I was doing. It wasn't about any of those things. It was about, I came to Him. 
Believe in your heart that the Lord God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. For with a heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone, everybody say everyone. everyone. Now no, say that again, say it again. It's important to me that you say it again. Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. I've never been ashamed. When I went home and told everybody I got saved and nobody liked it, and my stepfather said, I want you out of the house by tomorrow morning, because he didn't want that in his house. Didn't change how I felt. You might not believe, but I believe. Not sure what I believe yet, but I'm working on it. (laughs) Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame, for there is no distinction Between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. i got to move along, but i got to point this out. There is no distinction between Jew and Greek. No distinction between... Jews do it this way. Greeks do it this way. One One is born of God. One comes into God. One is Jewish. One is Protestant. What do we have? I mean, uh, 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 say it. Gentile, that's the word I was looking for. One is Jewish, one is Gentile. It's irrelevant. The Jews are doing it this way, the Gentiles are doing it this way. What's relevant is those who ask, as we sang this morning, find. Those who knock, he opens the door. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, everyone. Everybody say it again, everyone. No, no, you need to get it this morning. I'm going to tell you something this morning. That's why I said a while ago, some of those folks that were down there in Orlando yesterday, picketing, screaming, yelling, carrying on, therefore abortion, guess what? Some of them actually believe in Jesus Christ. Now that will rattle your timbers, won't it? In fact, some folks, some believers, it will bother them that those folks actually believe in Christ. Makes me mad. That they even confess Jesus is Lord. And the whole time Jesus is like, what's wrong with you? At least if they're confessing it, they're giving me something to work with. If they're not even listening to me, I can't work with them. But at least give me the opportunity to work with them. Don't condemn. Don't reject what I have not rejected. Don't become a part of it. This is grace. Are you hearing me this morning? Then he says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? If what we do is we're always marching around telling everybody all the reasons why they're wrong. You're an idiot. I can't even believe you believe that. I can't even believe you're living that lifestyle. How are they going to hear? And then we're going to insert in that you're... Foolish because you live that life, and but Jesus loves you. What did they hear? Which part of that statement did they hear? Am I just being real this morning? I am. How are they to hear without someone preaching? How are they to preach unless they are sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news, if they will actually preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed, all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? Faith comes from hearing, hearing through the word of Christ. Faith does not come because we are in people's faces and we are mad at everybody. Listen, Roe versus Wade, whether it was or wasn't, whether it is or isn't, is completely irrelevant if we have an ear to hear the voice of God. I know that probably doesn't sit well with a lot of people. But my day is not determined by what law the government establishes. My tomorrow is not wrapped up in what they give or what they take. It is wrapped up in what is the Father saying to me and I'm going to be... I'm going to honor that in every way. I'm going to honor Him. And if I honor Him, He's going to take care of these things. But I lose my voice. There are a lot of Christians today, they're doing a lot of talking, but spiritually they have laryngitis. 
Because no one's hearing what they're saying. Because they're not saying anything that brings honor to God. Therefore, the people that need God aren't finding God because all we're doing is reminding them of all of the things they're doing wrong. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he's heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of God. Our journey, every one of our journeys, it's very personal. So how do we reconcile that not everyone's journey looks the same? How do we reconcile that in our mind? Because in our world, we all want to believe about our individual selves. Let me try to get this to a point here. All of us, we want to believe something about our individual selves. And that belief is that we're doing it better than everyone else. (laughs) Nobody's as close to God as me. We're tight. And had I been there at the Last Supper, he would have wanted me sitting at his right side. Thank you. <laughs> that was really a courtesy laugh because I'm pretty confident that he did or she did not. Under, I don't know who it was, but it was a child. <laughs> but our journey is personal. Let's jump to Romans chapter 14, beginning with verse 1. Let me read through this. As for the one who is weak in faith, reject him. Get that rascal out quick before he poisons the lot. You know, there's a word often used in the Old Testament called selah, S-E-L-A-H, and it means to pause and reflect. The Hebrew interpretation of that word is to pause and reflect. So I'm going to throw that in there again. It's, uh, he says, as for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, selah. Hmm. As for the one who is weak in faith, Welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. Don't welcome him in just because you're like, if I can just get him into church, I can rid him of all these evils. If he just comes in that door, the preacher will annihilate everything awful in that guy. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but do not quarrel over opinions. One person believes he can eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. (laughs) I toy with this. Every time I've ever read it, I always think of the vegetarian. And then when they are made strong, they taste filet mignon. One person believes he may eat anything while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains. And let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats. This is about more than food. For God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? I think that's worth noting right there. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? He's using this as a symbolic statement, but what he's really saying is everybody, if they're serving me, they're serving me the way that they know how to serve me. Ultimately, at the end of the day, even if we all start this far apart, if we're serving the same God, the trajectory is going to be the same. Ultimately, we're going to move towards a center. That looks like him, but not if we argue about all of this wide space that's down here. We've got to trust him and allow him to begin to move us to a center. Amen? Amen. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Listen, I don't mind anybody sitting at my table. If you want to eat only vegetables, so be it. I'll eat your meat. I love filet mignon. Let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls. Not up to you and me. And he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days exactly the same. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day... Observes it in honor of the Lord. Every single person needs to believe that. Let me come back to this. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God. While the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord, and he gives thanks to God. 
For none of us, this is the key that I think gets lost in Christianity today. None of us lives to ourselves. <laughs> it's not about us at the end of the day. It's about the glory of God being revealed in the earth. And how will we let him use us to do that? And none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are. We are. Whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, this is why Christ died and then lived again. That he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. Why then do we pass judgment on our brother or you? Why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord. Every knee will bow to me. And every tongue shall confess to God. Every knee, not just believers, every knee will bow to Him, and every tongue will confess to God, so then each of us will give an account of himself to God. I want to move back very quickly. The one who observes the day, observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in the honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God, for none of us lives to himself. I want to point something out right there very quickly. I just want to tell you that everybody believes that whatever they're doing, they're doing it under the Lord. And I'm going to tell you today, that's why you can walk up to a homosexual, and I'm using these two today because, again, they are the hot topics of the day. Homosexuality, abortion, people that, have, that are fighting for it, People that believe in it, they believe with all their heart. There are some of those that believe with all their heart. They're honoring God and doing that. They believe that with all their heart. And then those of us who don't, we feel like we have this need to again establish, to create another genesis of crusades. To jump into this thing and let this be the beginning of war. And find out who wins this thing. And the father says, you have completely missed the point. They might be in the condition that they're in, just like you were, Steve, when you got saved. Remember how you were, Steve? I'm just using me because I don't want to. I'll, I'll use one of you if you want me to. <laughs> Remember how you were, Steve, when you got saved? You weren't a homosexual. You'd never had an abortion. But man, some of the things that you did do. Would you like me to remind you of those things today and tell you that because of those things, you didn't have any opportunity to know me? Yet you confessed those things. You talked about those things. You did those things like no one was getting hurt by it. And then every single person who ever did come up to me and say, man, you need to get saved. You need to know Jesus or wherever they might have been, wherever I might have found myself and someone would have tried. I didn't encounter that a lot, but I did encounter that from time to time. And anybody that might have done that, I would have been like, get out of my face. You annoy me. Probably not those exact words. But in the condition he found me, it is in that condition he began to change me. And I'm thankful for the few that had grace for the time it took me to find myself in God. As I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow to me and every tongue will confess to God. So then each of us, each of us will give account of himself to God. How can you know? I, I, to be his is to, to find myself. And as we move in this journey for the next couple of weeks on this series, how do I find myself right in the middle of his hope for man? How do I not get wrapped up in the argument? How do I not get wrapped up in the anger? How do I instead wake up in the morning and say, Father, I'm completely at your disposal. And I'm going to walk into situations today that make absolutely no sense. They probably make me mad. Because I'm going to hear people say, I love Jesus, and they're doing things that don't look anything like Christ. But it's not going to do the kingdom of God any good if I drive a stake through their heart. 
Especially if I don't first say, there is another way. I refer often back to the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well, when Christ stood beside that well, and she was willing to argue with him about where they worship. And I'm paraphrasing this story. But basically he said to her, he said, Lady, none of that really matters. If you still want to worship in Jerusalem or wherever it is you go, you do that. But I want you to come to this conclusion. That those who worship God... Worship Him in spirit and in truth. And the truth isn't found on a mountain. And the truth isn't found in a valley. The truth isn't found in a protest. And the truth isn't making sure that everybody in the room knows on which side I stand. The truth is knowing God. I can worship Him in spirit and truth. If I know Him, He will begin to change me. And I'm going to believe this, that He will use my life to change the life of another. Not my harsh words. Not the signs in my hand. Not the emails that I write or the posts that I make. But because I've let Him change my heart. And if God can... Listen, let me wrap it up. If God can believe that the vilest of us all can come to Him, can we not? If He can believe that the one who is the most, I don't know what's a good word to use, just the, the most awful person in our mind if God can believe that they can come to him and that he can renew their heart and their mind can we not to be his is not to create a great gulf between those who believe and those who don't but it is to build a bridge between no faith and a place of faith So I ask this last question. Do you this morning have a relationship with the Father that is faith-based? Not cause-based. Not law-based. But faith-based. If your relationship with Him this morning, and I'm listening, I'm talking to everybody that's online, I'm talking to everybody in this room, anyone that might listen to this later. I'm saying to you today, if your relationship with Him is not based on faith, that not only can He change you, but that God that changed you, can change the other guy. The God that renewed your mind and changed your mind and made you think differently about things at one time you thought it didn't even matter to Him. But today you understand through faith that does matter to Him. You begin to make adjustments because you begin to realize in you the nature of God and you begin to make you aware of the things that offended Him and the things that honored Him. We cannot arrive at that place if our relationship with Him, whatever it might look like, is based on anything outside of faith. So my encouragement to every person that's hearing me today, if your relationship with Him is not based on faith, give Him opportunity today to restore to you the first love with Him. The one when you came to Him with all of your stuff. You didn't think you were outside of His capacity to heal your heart and mind. Do you hear me today?
Stand with me if you would, please. To be His really holds responsibility in us. It gives us some need to have a sense that if I'm His, there's something that He wants from me. And the want is really simple. Relationship. When I came to Him, when I came to Him, when I came to Christ, and I would say the same is almost true, I bet, I'm, I'm going to just guess, I came to Him in 1985, which was how many years ago? Almost 40 years ago, right? Is that right? Yeah, almost 40 years ago. 37 years ago. Wow. I'm going to guess that in 37 years, in July the 8th will be 37 years. I'm going to guess that in 37 years, I've missed gathering on a Sunday morning with the people to worship and honor Him less times than I could count on two hands in 37 years. If I'm not there, the preacher's surprised. If I'm not here, I'm very surprised. (laughs) But I don't go because I'm supposed to. I go for the same reason today. There's other reasons too because I'm responsible to be here. But outside of that, I don't go to church. I didn't go weekly because I had this sense that, man, uh, you know, that's what I'm supposed to do. And, you know, when I got married to my wife, she's making me go or whoever. Never did do that. Never. I can tell you in 37 years, every time I walk through the doors, wherever I'm walking through those doors, it's always, man, what is going to happen today? I do not know what it's like to walk in the doors of the church, any church, wherever I'm at. I don't know what it's like to walk in the doors without some expectation of what's God going to say to me today. And when I get up with expectation, there's nothing that's going to keep me from going. Because I know that I'm going to grow and I'm going to learn. And yet, while I say that, It isn't going to church for 37 years every Sunday that saved my soul. It's because I desired relationship with Him based on faith. I believe, God, that you can do the miraculous in whatever's going on around me. I believe that you can do the supernatural. I believe that you can change this mind. I believe that this, this legalistic mind that I had for so many years, somehow, and I didn't even have to say to him, I believe you can change my mind because I'm legalistic. I never even right. thought that. Right. I just began to walk with him, and suddenly I, was, I realized change is happening. Good. But it's faith-based. Amen. Father, I believe you. Yes. I believe you. I believe you when I get up in the morning, Amen. and I believe you when I go to bed at night. I believe you on my most difficult day. And I believe you on the easiest of days. I believe you when all things are well. And I believe you when I can't even see the well. I believe you. Because by faith, I came to you. By faith, I live for you. And by faith, I'm being changed by you. 